lights, camera. I, I personally feel like um, you could go a little differently with this. I I feel like maybe yeah. there's just not enough emotion, enough heart in okay. this. I feel like well, perhaps no. Listen, let me talk. I know that I'm only a producer and know nothing about writing, but I think that the reason why this is great and terrible at the same time, it's because there's not enough cowbell in it. Uh, what what if what if instead I rolled that intro? Um, I mean we could go there, but I just don't think that that would work. Perhaps I think that if 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 we did that, yeah, we should roll the intro. Roll the intro. Uh, 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 producer, put in more cowbells than our intro. More cowbells. I, 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 as, as we always That's all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Welcome to another great week in Cinemagic with your host. Guess who it is? Yep, that's me. Jonathan Grandois. Jonathan Grandois. Yes, gotta say it with that flair. Um, you know, and I have my best, best, you know, really, my host here, who without this podcast, I mean, without him, this podcast would be, how do I say, just so much worse. <laughs> I really do think so, because this oh, podcast is just I me. I love you for it. I love you for that. <laughs> you know, yeah, really, if it was just me, then it would be too good, and then it just wouldn't exist because people would just be clamoring for it. Uh, so without you, this podcast would be worse because people, it would be too divine for people to listen to it. So my, my co-host, Rick Acevedo. Is here with. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a cyclone spin for that one later on, bro. <laughs> and that is gonna be a weekly thing, by the way. The cyclone spin because I can't get. I, I just. I can't stop. All right. I can't stop. <laughs> and if you. And if you know what he's referring to, go back and watch any of our previous episodes right, and listen. Exactly. Watch and listen. But definitely someone the He Man of the Masters Universe. Uh, and I'm still trying to get Rick to do some funny TikToks with Cyclone, but he never listens. We to are going to do funny TikToks. It's just, it takes time. Cyclone, look, man. <laughs> Cyclone is, you got to, like, Cyclone is different, all right? You just, you just can't tell Cyclone what to do like that, man. Uh, it's not okay, about me. Okay. It's about Cyclone. So... I, that is true. I can't. I can't tell Cyclone what to do. Just like I can't tell Rick what to do. I, I can't uh, tell is, Cyclone what to do. I wish I could, man. But Cyclone's too good for all of us. All right. Okay. I would just say he he's kind of like the hurricane barreling through in the United States right now, Louisiana. Oh, Hope everyone man. out there is safe. Uh, stay safe. Uh, that's, yeah, that looks pretty bad. So stay safe, everybody, especially in Louisiana. And, you know they've been through a lot. So. Yep, and as people who I'm not currently in Florida, uh, who have lived in Florida before, uh, we know a thing or two about hurricanes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everyday life experience. Yeah. Uh, uh, in honor of all my people down there, I did. I did yesterday have a hurricane drink, and uh, everyone's honor to be oh, safe. So that's nice. that's what I wanted. See, uh, that's what I see, do during hurricanes. You built. You that built. Was in Florida. That's you built to that. You built to that, man. You're yeah. showing that emotion. You're like, nah. I just. <laughs> I want to tell everybody how good that hurricane was. <laughs> that's what you did you had hurricane parties where you drank hurricanes still, that's I how still, i got ready for hurricanes i don't know about anybody else but that's how i got ready for every hurricane i ever went through um mimosas really <laughs> <laughs> i don't know 
wanted to drink one of those for a while, but I don't, you know, I don't drink really um, as much anymore. So like, yeah, but mimosas, mimosas work, you know. I mean, fresh. Uh, I, I love mimosas at brunch. I love, I love alcohol, but that's not what we're here for in this we're podcast. We're not here to talk, to talk about. about Vices. Love of alcohol. Yeah. Vices. <laughs> <laughs> no. So this week, we're going to do something a little fun. And I know what you're going to say. You're fun every week. Uh, duh. Mm. But uh, <laughs> this week, we thought we'd get a little more fun. As uh, Rick and I are working on other projects, always constantly working on pitches, we thought it'd be kind of fun here to talk about kind of pitching and then kind of talk about some of our own fantasy pitches out there. Uh, and I don't know what really inspired this i know some people have seen it or not and rick have did you see uh the the new will smith little uh, little thing he did about the matrix and wachowskis get a little i video. did not you mentioned it and i've been wanting to watch it and you told me about it and it sounds both hilarious and accurate to you know to what pitching really is and how it's a like a like a real <sighs> It's one of those things, you know. That's what can you say? <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you ever pitched anything before? Well, I, I, mean, have, I, know you. I have pitched. I, I have, have pitched. I have pitched um, scripts and show ideas and everything like that. Um, you know, you want to talk about dream pitches gone south in like a heartbeat. I pitched uh, my thesis script to David Marconi. Who was the guy that wrote? Talk about Will Smith. He wrote *Enemy of the State*, which is the film with uh, Will Smith and uh, Gene Hackman. So I'm sitting there um, in front of Marconi. He was a super nice guy, and um, the guy, the guy who was a producing partner for, I believe, Stephen Baldwin. And I'm, or is it? No, it was William. William Baldwin, the the, the one from *Sliver*. But anyway, um, I'm sitting there in front of them. We're having a great conversation. I start getting into my project, and I make the mistake of a lifetime. And, uh, you know, I was pretty pretty green at the time. Um, and that was to start talking about backstory. Well, when you're pitching, unless someone's asking you about backstory, don't give away the backstory that's not even going to be featured you know that's only part of your of your writing process. So when you're writing the the backstory, you're really only writing it for yourself. You know you're doing all these timelines and everything for yourself so that you get to know your characters and the, and when the characters are on the page, they come across as having depth. You have to give your characters depth. If you write a line for the sake of writing a line, then you've got nothing. All you've got is words on paper that someone's going to recite. That's why so many films are terrible. But I'm telling them about all the background of my guy, of my main, like, my protagonist. And about midway through my pitch, I catch myself mentally, which is the worst thing you can do. <laughs> Catching yourself. Cause look, man, if, you're, if your train is going to get wrecked, let it get wrecked. Okay? You learn, yeah. you move on. Okay? But then... <laughs> Midway through the pitch, I I catch myself and I'm like, holy crap, I've not once talked about the story. So I shift into the story, <laughs> trying to salvage that whole situation. And they're looking at me and I could tell that 
they knew what happened to me and they could commiserate and they were being like really super cool about it. So that's one of those amazing experiences of, man, you really fucked up like badly, mm. but don't worry because it could be a whole hell of a lot worse than this, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they could be real dicks about it and say, dude, you are wasting my time. Like, I don't even know where you're going with this. Um, how, so, how much do you remember about from your script? I, I, I would just love to know. Because this was for Enemy of the State. So how much do you remember about your script that you wrote for that? Or your idea that you were pitching? The idea that I was pitching? I mean, I remember a ton of it. It was, basically, it was a period piece about a man that um, comes from, you know, to the United States from Denmark and ends up in Harlem in the middle of the Great Depression and develops this amazing relationship almost like a father and son relationship with this um, older black man that's dying, you know, but that teaches him so much about how to be a man, especially in this country, and especially during those times. So it was it was a really beautiful, like, story, but I'm, I'm not talking about that in the middle of the pitch, like, to this guy. I'm just like, and then, because, you know, and I, I was like, and I, was, I wasn't stammering all over myself. It's just that I wasn't saying the things that I needed to say. Mm-hmm. Look, when you're, when you're doing a pitch, I mean, think about an elevator pitch for the pe- you know, people that are in, in business or whatever. You, know, you want to do a pitch. You want to pitch a project. You know, sort of beginning, middle, and end. Give them, give, them the, give them the bullet points of the story and why it would be interesting to them. Don't make the mistake of assuming that they want to hear about your $100 million expenses. Because, look, if you're a new writer, um, chances are that if you're doing that, they're not even going to pick you up yeah. so when you're pitching. So it's, it's, a very, it's a very fine art, one which I learned the I have to laugh too because I was I I could catch myself and I could I was thinking to myself, man, um I really stepped in. It's like you're walking a dog yeah. and everything's going great that day and then you step in this pile of shit and it doesn't matter how how much you scratch your shoe, it's still full of shit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's my first story on that, man. It was crazy. It was insane. Uh, I mean, pitching, pitching's great, and I mean, that's and I tend to love this stuff. And and, and you should always look what people are doing in the industry. Yeah. So to to take that Will Smith one, uh, like I said, that uh, started that conversation. He's like the most couches just pitched him like, "Hey, man, what if you're like in the air, like you took a jump, and then you could just like stop, and then we could like." see around the stop and he was like uh-huh whatever that doesn't mean anything now we think about it as an iconic matrix shot of like you know in the air three to six degree camera when they were pitching to him it was such a terrible pitch that he just passed on it and so that that got us thinking rick and i he's like i got terrible pitches and stuff like that like hey man what if we did some of our own pitches uh, uh, and make them kind of terrible like the Wachowskis? So we've got great things that we've been pitching and things that we're working on. So you won't hear all of those 
great no. one because uh, you know exactly. I'm, I can't talk about it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so we we do have great ones that I really really wish we could talk about. Uh, but things we have to kind but of. But we have develop. really really bad ones that those are the ones that we should definitely talk about. Yes. So what we want to do. Uh, besides talking a little more stories about pitching, what we want to do is why don't we pitch it to you, our fans out there, some of our ideas. Um, I, 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 I say bad or terrible. I don't think they're bad or terrible. These are just the ones that uh, are further down on our list, right? Mm. That says we're probably right so now. Far not... down, so far down that chances are it'll uh, we will all be dead, all right? And <laughs> um, so we'll have a warehouse of Triskelion trinkets. You know, <laughs> everything from our toys to all of our really cool stuff, and you'll find these scripts, and you, our loving public, with somebody will benefit, and you shall have been given the gift of Triskelion love <laughs> from the heavens or below. You know, whatever. <laughs> and these are still great ideas. I say make them. Uh, come and talk to me if you want to make it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> But that's 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 what they're about, because um, you know uh, I I love I love pitching. I, I personally, for me, I'm a person who loves pitching. I love telling people about ideas and talking with them. Um, I I know like Rick, uh, the pitfall of always not trying to say all your backstory and your hundred ideas mm. uh, all at once and contain them down is kind of like some of the hardest things to do, right? Well, I think that part of it is when you get your first pitch. And you know that pitch is going to mean something because either it's going to be your, it's going to be your ticket to you know to the big time, or it's going to teach you something. Either way, it's going to mean something to you. So, you are excited and you fall into this excitement trap because you want to show them mm-hmm. that you're the you're the person in the room that they need to look out for. So, and it's not that you're getting, like, overconfident or anything. It's just that you want to believe in yourself and you want that to come across. And, you know, you can make those mistakes. So it's like, okay, I got it. I'm going to tell them about my idea of the flying backwards shoe. Now, the flying backwards shoe, you see, it's a shoe named Carswell. And Carswell, the shoe... It's like it comes from a shoe factory. Well, there's no shoe factory in the fucking script, guy. Take it easy. Tell me about the fucking shoe, because already you're kind of throwing me back. Yeah, yeah, okay, he comes from the shoe factory. Great. All right. And he's got laces, and those laces do magical things. Okay? I'm mildly both confused and interested at this point, because none of this makes sense, but somehow it could if we throw $100 million at it. Yeah, okay, you know, so Carswell, the shoe with the magical laces, is traveling through time to find his true love. Carmella the high top. Okay, you had me up until you said fucking Carmella the high top. That makes no that makes no damn sense. Also, I mean, why is why is it an Italian shoe? Is it like I I are we like are we giving the shoes nationalities? What's Cars Carswell's French? It's a loafer. Right, but <laughs> loafers don't have see that and then that's the thing too, like you have to know what you're talking about when you're pitching. Yeah. Like you, you have to know that your rules, that your timing, that your research, that everything is pitch perfect because they might they may ask you those questions. 
So if you say Carswell the loafer is a French shoe with, you know, with uh, laces, it's a fucking loafer. They don't have laces. Mm-hmm. So right there, you're showing that your script might be a, a decent concept to pitch, but it's not a ready concept because you're not you're clearly not aware of the things that you need to be aware of to pitch it and make it sound like okay, this person knows what they're saying. The yeah. research was done right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so we're not doing any research for this pitch. <laughs> well, okay. So I'll tell you my research. It's a bit derivative. Okay. I want to give you my pitch. All right. All right. It's a bit right, derivative. Give me, give me a pitch idea. Give me All a right. Pitch. So, so my pitch idea. Uh, let, me, let me set the scene. Um, mm, mm. Uh, uh, hello, Rick Acevedo. I see you from uh, Traskillian Productions. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I saw one of your documentaries over there. I really like that. Uh, that that one about. Uh, what was that? That one in the Italian underground. That that was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It was about the oh. Betty Paoli and uh, they're like underground Italian Robin Hoods, and um, it was it was great. I mean, you know, we. We went to to the underground and um, oh, you know, or I had that's, I had a great team. Uh, oh, you know. That sounds so interesting. So Thank you. Um, Thank I, you. I I really want to see what you can bring me now. What what right. new idea do you have for? It's me? narrative. Um, so, you know, and I mean I haven't cleared this with Sly yet, but I want to do a film called Rambo: The Early Years. Now this goes. Let me like think about this. Mm-hmm. Think about Rambo, but at like age ten. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was it that led Rambo to become Rambo, right? So, it starts in a ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese, all right? Now, now no. the Chuck E. Cheese exist during, during pre-Rambo times. They really had Chuck E. Cheese. Um, it was called Chobie's Pizza back then. A kid, a kid could always be a, t- a kid, you know. Um, so, so then, Rambo is coming up slowly, all right. Mm. And he's wearing like he's got um, like a little plastic knife, with like the with the with the camouflage on it and stuff. And you hear the song like, tenen, tenen, and he comes up from the ball pit, all right, and then. In the ball pit, it turns into this scene in Vietnam in the future. So instead of having flashbacks, he is having flash forwards because he knows that stuff is about to go down due to the geopolitical climate. Now, granted, he's only 10, but he reads a lot. Baby Rambo is having visions of the future Uh of what he's going to do in Vietnam and Uh acting those out as Chuck E. Cheese. In Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. And okay. he prepares he... himself by going up the nets and then, you know, staying stuck in the sky tubes. And, I mean, at this point, Rambo isn't, like, as jacked. In fact, he's he's got a little baby chubs on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So, and so the, yeah. Does he have any friends? Does, does Rambo have any friends? Ten-year-old Rambo. Ten-year-old Rambo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got Toby. Toby um, is Toby at the Chuck E. Cheese? Is this movie entirely at the Chuck E. Cheese, or is it? No, no, he Toby? goes into the Chuck E. Cheese, and then when he is forced to leave the Chuck E. Cheese, all right, he feels that something's going on because people are drinking alcohol. They're drinking two beers at a time, 
And so he understands that something's wrong and he needs to go back to the Chuck E. Cheese to make it happen. Make it, you know, make it work. So does his mom take him to and from the Chuck E. Cheese? Does him and Toby ride bikes? The first time his mom takes him on a 1959 Buick Skylark station wagon um, that's red and white, really beautiful. Um, and then and then him and Toby ride, ride the bikes. Yeah, uh, Schwinn's. They have Schwinn's. Schwinn's. Uh, uh, now, what, how does Rambo Schwinn, Schwinn look? Because that's really important. The Schwinn, it, it's like white and red, and it's got like a little basket on it that says built for war on the basket, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, give me give me more of the central conflict in the resolution. Um, the central conflict really is Rambo is a hundred percent certain that stuff's going down, and the resolution is he needs to go into child therapy, but won't because he feels that that's just more of the same terroristic aspect of things that he's going to have to deal with later on. So his resolution basically is just going to be an all-out war where he kills everyone and then goes back to the Chuck E. Cheese, sits down, eats his weird pizza, and just, it's like, it's like... So the 10-year-old's going on a killing spree? I mean, do we really want to call it a killing spree? It's, you know... I mean, you called it a killing spree. You said kill everyone. I mean, yeah, but with, I, just, with, I, just with, assumed, with, I just assumed that, you know, you wouldn't actually pay attention to that. But now I could see that that was a, a momentary lapse of judgment. I wouldn't really call it a killing spree. I would I would call it a spree of unhappiness. Okay, so if I get this right, and I want to get your pitch right, I'm right. going to send it back to mm-hmm. you. So our story is about a little Rambo who takes mm-hmm. place mostly in Chuck E. Cheese in his household with his friend Toby, where he tells Toby his future visions of mm-hmm. what it's going to be the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And he kind of knows based on some... Politics he's read at school, I'm guessing newspapers. Yeah, that's uh, Ted. Microfiche um, too. Yeah, you know, microfiche too. Uh, his mom, seeing the problems that he is and the PTSD he has from future wars, has put him into therapy, which the therapy is not working because he knows that the therapy fails as he's seeing himself in the future and knows mm-hmm. he will need therapy in the future. So instead, he tries to own his skills to get ready for war mm-hmm. by going on a quote unquote killing, uh, a, a, a sadness of killing. Uh, 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 rampage yeah. uh, uh, around town where he ends back up at the cheap Chuck E. Cheese where he first has his vision of war and training. Is that correct? That's Yeah, that's pretty correct. I love it. I'm giving you 50 million. Let's get Sly on the phone and let's get this done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> now see, well, everything that went wrong with that is everything from freaking beginning to end because it's a terrible idea but chances are that like if you know how to sell a terrible idea with personality you might get it sold that's a fact you talk about every terminator movie after terminator 2 um like true that should there have been like twenty seven thousand terminators after the fact because i'm just like i don't know man but uh, <laughs> I agree with you. But I, I like your take on a classic action franchise and trying to give a little new spin for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't have one of those prepared, but I like where you're going. So I'm, I, I'm going to do this as well. And so this pitch is just going to come off. off all right. Head. All right. So I'm going to be the producer. All right. So uh, hello. 
Jonathan Grandois from Transformers Productions. Yes, you said it it so great. Thank you so much. Um, Did you say for it? I see that you have done documentaries and uh, they're great. We love them. But now you you want to get into narrative? Yes. So um, tell us your pitch and tell us us why you think this, uh, this pitch would work and why we should, you know, purchase it. Well, first of all, let me say I'm so happy to be here. I really love all the work that you do. Over here. You. I think you think your film company just makes such great films mm-hmm. that uh, I, I I would be just I, it would be so amazing to do one for you. Awesome. Uh, so what what I really want to do, and I know what's in right now, is nostalgia. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone loves nostalgia, and so when you think nostalgia, you think things when you grew up. So what do we remember from growing up? We remember our big stars and our action heroes. And who do we remember more, right? Anybody else? And then we got Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme, okay? And so they did this little movie called Universal Soldier. And in it, it was about soldiers who gave their life for everything, right? They come dead, but they come back again and used by an abusive government. And that sounds like a perfect storyline to do now. But we put a new spin on it. Instead of governments, we put on corporations, right? So corporations are bringing these soldiers back to fight in the Middle East, right? Vague enemy, we got it there. And we can instead put two new action stars that would be everything. And I'm talking about no other, no one other than The Rock, right? To take Dolph Lundgren's spot as the kind of evil one. So The Rock can show his range. And you know who we're going to take for the Jean-Claude Van Damme role? I know it's a dream casting of mine. I know it's gonna, it's gonna have it, but Shia LaBeouf. I know what you're thinking, right? Shia LaBeouf is not an action star. He only does a, a drama. But I'm telling you, if I could put him opposite the rock, beef him up, give him a little martial arts training, this is like the, the change of his career. He's now front and center, and he is dying and coming back. Dying and coming back. And what more do people want than Shia LaBeouf dying? Bam, that's it. So it brings all of the hate watchers in. People love The Rock. It brings other people in. And it's a great story about love, loss, uh, uh, and getting back together. So I'm not going to pitch you much of the story. I'm pitching you the setup and my cast, right? So I think I think that says it all. So I would give you $200 million because I could actually see that happening in real time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, wait, okay, so let me let me tell you what worked about that pitch and what, where I would actually go to bat for that pitch. Because I gave you a deliberately terrible pitch, okay, to show the fact that, there. I mean, these things happen. People do actually give the type of pitch that I gave. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like they have an idea and it's derivative and they think that because it's derivative that that can happen. Now, let me tell you why I think that would actually work. First of all, it's speculative. It's a spec. Mm-hmm. But it's a spec that works because it's a spec based on something that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. That it wouldn't be that actually hard to do because, I mean, they did Universal Soldier, like, the the sequel years later with, um, like, Bill Goldberg and, and Van Damme and all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, 
But if you talk about, imagine putting The Rock in something like this and actually making the script, you know, readable, okay? And having someone like Shia LaBeouf, who is, you know, a fairly decent actor, but a hateful individual, if... That's just, I'm not a fan. But, you know, like, that would actually work. That is actually a project that... It wouldn't be shocking to see it work. So, yeah, see that I like. I would I would automatically be like, yeah, okay, let's 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 talk about the next steps. <laughs> All joking aside, like that's actually not a terrible idea. <laughs> I just came up with it. <laughs> see, I thought you were gonna go like you know, Masters of the Universe Redux or some shit like that, and I was like, okay, no, well, well, you know, but this, you know, <laughs> this actually works, dude. Uh, and just for everyone pitching there, of course, uh, I know I didn't give a lot of story, because I was doing it based on an existing property, which I guess I should have explained, but, uh, <laughs> but I was actually pitching this for real. Um, one, you got to make sure the company's familiar with the projects and everything else that are going on, and that they needed and all that good stuff, so. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm glad that you like that. Now, Rick, I want to give you one. If you could do any animated project, what would you do? Not for only one you're working on. I want you to give me an animated project. An animated project. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get some good ideas here. <sighs> Animation. And everyone out there, this is also good for brainstorming. Try it yourself too. Just give a prompt. Get your idea. You never see what ideas will come out. Okay. So. If I were going to give you an animated project, it it's something that Oh my god. <laughs> okay. So I would give you um the sorry about that. The uh, sheer Rick art. is very popular right now. Um, I well, no, it's something that I would give you. That's you know, it's the sheer army. All right. <laughs> now, no, wait a second. This is an army. Um, it's a fifteen-minute show, so it it'd be something that you know, and I don't want to give away too much of it, but it's basically about this guy that's. Like, not the tallest fellow. He gets lost in the forest, alright? In a magical forest, and then becomes, like, the king of a pig kingdom. Alright? And they're in war with the duck kingdom. Now, the only thing that I could tell you is there's a lot of nuances here for stuff that just is very, very, like... I can't see because you're asking me to pitch you something good. It's this is an adult-oriented cartoon. Well, I, adult as an X-rated that you feel like you can't say it. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's not X-rated. I'm just gonna tell you this. All right, there are things like uh, cocaine, whiskey, and cigars that play a real big part into why Mike. Uh, things. 
So a lot of this comes from uh, inside jokes from all of us here by Skelly that Rick is trying to put on here. Uh, so I'm going to let him have that one. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't, dude, because the thing is, I mean, okay, so uh, one good project that I have that I've actually pitched, and, um, you know, we got the VIP for that and everything like that. It's called The Neebles, and it's about this um, family of aliens. And this family of aliens leaves their planet, goes to a deserted planet, meets a um, an astronaut by the name of Astronaut Sam, who says, if you help me fix my ship, I'll take you to Earth. And, you know, he explains to, to them that in Earth they can have friends and everything like that. And the whole purpose of the Neebles is really to help kids at a very early age understand that having differences from other people, it's, you know... It's not just okay, it's great because it is what makes us individuals. So that, for example, is one great idea and it's something that, you know, we've already got out there. So that's like a great idea, like, you know, right there. No, no that is. Uh, it reminds me of the idea that I haven't done anything with, so I, I can put it out here. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you about it, but it was called Pepperoni Safari. So it was <laughs> my version of basically a children's show. Uh, so the main person is uh, named Pepperoni, who guides the, the children around for a storybook. Uh, they're dressed in safari gear, it's Pepperoni uh. Safari. Uh, so you could think of it uh, as it's a woman dressed up in safari gear, with little binoculars going out nice. to teach kids about animals and everything else. Uh, she has uh, some companions and buddies and sidekicks, but her background is all uh, kind of pop-up book art. So it's all kind of like pop-up book. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's behind the 3D glass, not 3D, but mm -hmm. yeah, kind of 3D pop out grass. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen a pop up book and the trees behind and even the animals you talk with are kind of pop up book colors, too. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's kind of a pop up book world that she tells kids That's about uh, cool. animals. And then it goes into kind of live action segments with pepperoni at actual like farms or somewhere else with actual animals when it's not doing story. So there's book. no popping off in this one. So there's no popping off. So it's pepperoni safari. Uh, and I just thought it would be a uh, very cute. Uh, and I, I had a theme song for like pepperoni safari uh, all lined up for it. Uh, I never did anything with it, but essentially that's what I wanted. So it was just a little kid show talking about animals and showing animals as she goes through a different safari every week to learn about different animals. Pepperoni safari, I like that, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. so that was uh, that was my children's show I was working on. I never did anything with it, but I was actually working on that one, so. All right. Uh, that's what I do. All right, Rick, here it is. Marvel has come down. They've told you that they want a new Marvel movie, right? Right. What are you gonna do? Yep, they want it from you. None of their existing characters, Right, they want something. When I say that, I mean nothing that has been going on right now. So no Scarlet Witch, no Kevin, someone they haven't used yet. Right, uh, <laughs> I just say no existing properties. Well, if I if yet, I were if won't. I were to do that, if I were to do that, here's what I would love to do, honestly. And I just think it's because this one character really has a great deal of depth, and and that depth doesn't really get. Um, I think looked into very much and that is you know the story of Nick Fury mm. because here's the thing Nick Fury is the one character that seems to have been around in the Marvel Universe it seems like Nick Fury has been around in every era yes. so it would be super cool to have 
you know, the story of Nick Fury from when he starts as a soldier, all right, in the 1940s, to, you know, the progression of Nick Fury as a character throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and up through today. Why is Nick still here? What makes Nick special? But, you know, it's about Nick. It's not about any of the superheroes. Nick Fury is not a superhero. So mm -hmm. let's talk about Nick's arc. What makes him Nick? You know, that's where I would go with that. 100%. And I would pitch it just like... I would pitch it very simply as the Nick Fury film. And the only reason why I say Nick Fury film is because... Yeah, you know, there was a Nick Fury film made it was terrible it was a freaking pilot movie with david hasselhoff in it it killed the character completely it murdered it don't 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 be mad at the hoffman hey i will the slap the hoff in the mouth don't i will say put shit cinemagic loves david hasselhoff and that no type of poison will be put in that mouth it's the hoffman himself don't you don't you dare he you killed, put that back he, he killed nick fury all right and it was it was Samuel L. Jackson who saved him and brought him back to life. So I would want to have a Nick Fury film that goes from very early on and then actually doesn't just actually look at his backstory. No. It explains how all of this supernatural stuff, multiple universes stuff and everything affected the longevity of Nick Fury and why he's still around. That's where I would want to go. That would be my my pitch for Marvel. Nice. I like it. I like it. I, I, I like uh, Nick Fury origin solo movies there. I, I got a Samuel Jackson. You know he'll do it. Sign him on for another picture. You give him the money, he's on. I like it. Yeah, man. I like it. I'm down for that. All right. So if it was me, I'm going to go with my homegirl, the one who's down for the most. And since now Disney owns them, uh, I'm actually going to go with Storm. I think Ooh. way too often movies, especially X-Men movies, are sent around Wolverine, who, I'm going to say this, and yes, you can get mad at me, but it's the most boring X-Men. Uh, there's so many interesting X-Men, but we only hear about, like, three, maybe. Yeah. Professor X, Wolverine, and Jean Grey. That's about it. Cyclops is used as a, as a kind of an F.U. because... Wolverine likes Jean Grey. So in all this rich comic history, that's about all we get. And there's so many cool X-Men with so many cool stories who have done so much themselves that we never get to see. And I think Storm would be a great movie to see. Yeah. Uh, kind of get her solo Storm movie. From her growing up as an orphan to being, uh, to being found by the... Shadow Man now at the Shadow Dealer? The Shadow, Shadow Man. No, um, Shadow Man, okay. I was no, like, no, I don't know why. Shadow Man. It was a Shadow King. Shadow King. Shadow King. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, I knew it, but the second I said it, it all went out of my head. Uh, so <laughs> the Shadow King himself, uh, kind of how she was raised by the Shadow King, but as a teenager too, then how she kind of broke away and found herself as her own powers as a goddess. This is, a, I think, an origin story, especially coming up age and womanhood that kind of needs to be told. Uh, especially. And since it's only really a Storm movie, you can just really focus on Storm as he did in Iron Man on the first and, one and put a teaser at the end for Professor X kind of showing up and be like, 
I want you to join something, and bam, that's how you can start this. Yeah, I don't the think, I think that every time they featured Storm in a film, and the only problem that I have with this is um, with the way they feature Storm now, is they don't give her time enough. Like, you're talking about you're talking about a freaking character that can control the weather. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's you don't get any more badass than that. And I think they did so they did such a great job of featuring her and giving her the proper importance in cartoons. And yet when it comes to film, even if you have great actresses portraying her, it doesn't matter because you're not giving her the time that she needs or the lines no, that she it's, needs. It's, it's always about Wolverine. That's why I think yeah, you remove Wolverine from the equation, you give it to a young black African actress, you literally let to see a story of, of womanhood and mm. growth and really just going through her life. Because I, again, think it's fun seeing her as an orphan, seeing her train on the Shadow King, because Shadow King's your natural villain for that episode as she builds up, comes into her really impressive, cool powers to then uh, really become on her own. And seeing that even at the end, you know, that she finally learns that she can belong someplace else, you got the teaser, Professor X, you bring it to a larger yeah, X-Men universe. 100%. I say Storm, Storm movie. It, it, yeah, it makes... I, 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 and the thing is, dude, you mentioned that, but it's like I've been wanting to see that like so for so long. I've always wondered like, when will they, you know, do that? And and my thing is, it Storm is just such, Again, you talk about a character with depth. Storm is a character with depth. Yeah. Real depth. Yeah. A lot. Because the Shadow King... Shadow King is such a ridiculously layered villain that that fight right there is one that's perfect. Yeah. You and know? he's one that can recur bigger and badder and later and on. In and any, in, any, in any spot, really. Because he's, 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 he's a so, huge villain. So and... and and, and so, Marvel, I know you're probably listening. You can steal that one. Uh, uh, just come and get me for some writing credits. Uh, <laughs> and also, we, we, we are not going to complain about... Um, we're not going to complain about streaming revenues. We just want a little bit of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not here. Uh, <laughs> so, Rick, the last one before we get away here, we're going to pitch one more thing for everyone out there. And this is where a lot of people could get their start uh, in directors and other places and smaller people. It, when I say smaller, more indie films and directors, you yeah. could start off with this. As horror. Uh, a lot of people cut their teeth in horror before going somewhere else. Uh, even Jaws, yes, was a horror film, so remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> everybody cuts there someplace. Even Jurassic Park, since you've got another great film, also a horror film. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> So let's do horror. So let's pitch me a horror movie. Pitch you a horror movie. Um, if you need to, I can go first. I, 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 I got it, I got it. Um, fields of Death. Or no, Fields of Death, Forest of Horror, you know, the Forest of Horrors. It's basically this girl that's left in a forest. Now, this is same, you know, premise as really just about any other horror. Um, this particular forest at night changes. It's filled with traps, 
it's filled with um, wolves that are starving and for her to actually be allowed to go back home she has to survive this entire night now twist the forest is actually inside of a warehouse it's like an old abandoned type theme park situation and it's run by yet another twist her father who is a sick SOB who wants to see if his daughter will be the right person to take over his work which is essentially to get rid of undesirable people and undesirable people could really be any number of things so that's got like like a little saw touch to it you know whether it's you know um you know thieves drug addicts you know um dishonest people generally dishonest people you know shitty people just in general so that's the thing but in order for him to figure out if she's worthy or not he's got to make sure that he drops her in this forest but she doesn't know that it's him mm-hmm. and it's out in the middle of nowhere imagine imagine Disney World but a lot smaller imagine imagine Dinosaur World <laughs> if, if you know if you've been to if you've lived in Florida know you, know, you, know, you know what Dinosaur yeah. World is so it's like a small independent uh, amusement park. Uh, amusement there. park, but that it's been closed down, and there's this massive uh, warehouse where he built this forest over the years. So yeah, that's that. That would be mine. No, I like it. I like Death Traps all. So mine, of course, I also have a uh, female protagonist because mm-hmm. horror movies and female protagonists are just a dime a dozen, right? Uh, <laughs> They're feminist movies and 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 they're and they're making at some point. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah kind of, right? I mean, there really is. It's usually yeah. about one woman fighting usually a patriarchal figure that then overcomes it uh, through growth and strength. There's I mean, isn't really kind of what Saw was that all about? Saw films? Were no, no. Saw Saw is torture porn movies. Those are complete different movies. I'm just saying horror movies have a lot of feminist elements in them uh, and female protagonists. I I tend to be all around horror movies. Oh, Scream. Uh, Scream is very... Yep, Scream. Scream is in that. Uh, Well, Scream is great in this. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I got two ideas. I'm going to give you one first, my real one, and then I'll give you my second one afterwards. Uh, uh, It's going to be really quick. But my first one is really going to be about a teenager. She's going to a birthday party uh, that her friends are throwing for her, friends of a friend are throwing for her. Uh, and it's kind of a small town, but everyone's really into it because she's a very popular girl, uh, kind of the uh, Miss Teen, uh, Miss Teen Sunnyvale town, whatever you want to call the town. Uh, so it's super popular. So she's having a huge birthday party that everyone's going to come. She's kind of worshipped in this town. Um, and But we open up with one of her friends uh, talking to her, telling her, uh, that is so excited, and when her friend uh, goes ahead of her against the party, he finds some weird stuff, jump scare, something where it's happening. So during the party with all of her friends from school and her, her ages, uh, eventually some of her friends start missing, and it becomes, the party becomes kind of this death trap that they make all these kids do these death games through. So over and over again, you know, her friends and people are dying. They're trying to figure out why. Her friend from the beginning that's never been there at the party um, towards the end of the movie when, you know, it's just her and a couple of kids left actually comes 
and saves her and takes her like out of the party. And when they're out of the party and everything, she's like, I don't understand why everybody did this. This whole town went crazy. They were worshiping. And he tells them that they're all sacrifices and that they need to be sacrificed and kills her and then himself in the end. Um, and then when we pan out, we see like this mystical symbol to realize that all these kids are actually just sacrificed uh, for the greater good to keep the town and world around. So, uh, and there'll be hints in there. So it's my little, uh, uh, as horror movies always have to say something more is about how we sacrifice the young uh, uh, in, in terms of their own future and climate change and everything else. So it'll be my commentary on that. But in yes. and of itself, the games will be forcing the kids to torture themselves that adults who feel bad about it, but need to do it in order for the world to continue. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's then, good. I like that. That's, that's what I'm still thinking about. My other one is about a bunch of kids uh, from a high school who go on a um, who go on a, a trip, like one of the foreign trip, uh, with the whole classroom, and they actually go to an old castle in uh, Ireland, and it's all fun and fun and nice until a knight starts chasing them down uh, and trying to kill them. But through the help of four kids who get together and a dog that's found on the uh, property, they overcome and uncover that the knight is actually just the groundskeeper who's trying to take back uh, the castle for his money. And, they... <laughs> and yes, it's a backdoor pilot for Scooby-Doo. <laughs> it's a prequel. It's a prequel. Oh. Prequel to Scooby-Doo. I was going to go with Euro Trip, and then I was like, wait a minute. Four kids, <laughs> Irish Castle, Scoop Dog. It's a backdoor final Scooby Doo. Because if I could do anything, one of the things I would love to do is make a Scooby Doo movie, honestly. But take it a little more seriously, not too seriously, not like grim, uh, as people really think when serious means a grim, i.e., Zack Snyder. What I mean, just seriously, is make it a little bit scary. I think Scooby Doo, they're leaving off the scares, even for kids. Oh. Zombie Island was kind of the last one where they really still had scares in. Uh, where scares. Yeah, was with, right now Scooby Doo is just more like, hey, Scooby Doo with WWF guys or WWE, whatever. Uh, Scooby Doo this, this, Scooby Doo this, that. And it's like, yeah, but there was an edge to Scooby Doo, so I know what you're saying. There's there's a little bit of an edge um, in the early years. I would yeah, definitely so say I just that. Want, I want that edge. Bring I want that scariness. So, like, they're not going to die, but some of the members of their trip would die. Like, you know what I mean? It's not going to be all blood and gore. There's not really even blood and gore, but I want it to be scary. Some jump scares and scares put back into it. You so, know what uh, was done? You know what was done on that? Um, that was done with a, with a Hanna-Barbera show? The Banana Splits uh, movie. Yes, I did see that one. So not as grim as that. I still want to have fun. It's a bit too uh, grim. But I do think that you just need some jump scares. Because if you think about what Scooby-Doo does, they're going into quote-unquote haunted places where people are killing or scaring people off. So there yeah. needs to be actual scares. So they can actually look like the badasses they actually are. Amen. So, yeah, that's right. Amen. We call them Scooby Gang badasses. So. They kind of are. <laughs> hey, man, they kind of are. I, I would agree so, with you. I gave you a backdoor Scooby-Doo pilot. What about you? What's, what's something you would like to do if they would give you the reins for it? If they gave me the reins for it, um, does it have to be horror or can it be anything else? It could be anything. God. Batman Beyond. I get that. Oh, God. I would love to do a live Batman Beyond where you have someone playing old Bruce Wayne old old bruce wayne 
you've got Terry McGinnis, and it's just all super dark. And I mean, DC does so well with their stuff, making it dark anyway, like their television stuff. That I, man, if I had if I had the ability to do that, I would. It would be Batman Beyond, no doubt, just no doubt. I, I'm I, I'm just looking for myself to see how old Michael Keaton is right now. He's uh, he's not. I don't think he's old. In, I mean, he could if you give him the right he's makeup. He's sixty nine. Right. Uh, <laughs> if you give him if you give him the if you give him the right makeup, I guess. But I would want somebody like. Okay, so if I, mean, I he's sixty nine seventy, that's a good. If old I was gonna guy. if I was gonna make it as a movie, I would want probably Harrison Ford as as Michael as as you, Bruce you Wayne. You want old? <laughs> I want old old. Actually, one of the things I used to fantasize cast alive Batman Beyond. And I used to say, here are my options, okay? My option, and, and Harrison Ford wasn't that old back then, but one of my options was Harrison Ford. Another one was the late great Adam West. If Adam West wasn't, like, totally cartoony, mm-hmm. I would have loved him because he has that Bruce Wayne presence. He's a tall, sort of physically imposing dude that, you know, could sort of whoop your ass, but, you know, he... He would have a very limited window in which to be able to do it. So I would actually dreamcast because that's what would make Batman Beyond work. Not so much who's playing Batman Beyond, but actual Bruce Wayne. Like seeing Bruce, how does Bruce handle being, you know, still being Batman in a way, but not directly. That's where I would go with that. Yeah, like, no, I would want I, someone that's old as fuck. Like I, oh, I thought Paul Newman would have been a good one. Um, Clint Eastwood, I thought would have maybe because he's like a hundred. Um, and could you imagine, mm-hmm. like, hey kid, go ahead, make his day. <laughs> I'm Bruce Wayne, but you know, like he's more of a cowboy type, so it doesn't really like he doesn't really fit as well as like a, like an Adam West or or. Uh, or um, or Harrison, but it, it would have to be someone that's like much older that could still blurt out those iconic sort of Bruce Wayne tortured type situations, you know? So. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I like it. I see that. Um, I I don't have any dream casting for uh, uh, except for the one I pitched with The Rock and Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Scooby Doo, I think I would take a bunch of virtual unknowns, uh, probably even mix up the uh, uh, ethnicities. Uh, I. I literally wouldn't want people to know it was a Scooby-Doo movie until the end. Like, until the ending scenes. Like, we'd be like, oh, crap, this is a Scooby-Doo movie. Uh, <laughs> so, I would, so I would cast based on kind of how they look, but not, like, putting them in the costumes yeah. and everything until towards the end. Yeah, that that still, that, that sounds awesome, though. That I like that. Because yeah, I'd have, like, a 70s dress-up prom, like, day or night. <laughs> I like that. Oh snap! That's like, <laughs> like they just look just like Scooby Doo. He's got so the mascot. Uh, I'll take anyone. Uh, just give me the reins to Scooby Doo, Hanna Barbera. Just give it to me, please, please. Um, I'll make it work. That's it. <laughs> I love so it. Going. So uh, you know that's what we have for weeks. We just uh, I, I hope you had some fun with this. I think I had a, I had a lot of fun. I, I had a blast. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I had a blast. Uh, and this helps keep our creative juices going. I hope it does for you as well. Tell us some of your crazy stuff that uh, you'd like to pitch, some of your fantasy stuff. Uh, tell us in the comments. Go on our Instagram. Let us know. Triscalian Productions. Uh, find myself or Rick on Instagram or Twitter or somewhere else and uh, let us know. Uh, besides that, of course, 
always watch all of our uh, films. Uh, you can find us searching for Vetri Paoli and Boys School on Tubi in the U.S. And Rick, tell them where else? Um, Alchemy in France. Um, you should be able to find them on Duya. You should also be able to find them on Canela TV in Latin America and the United States. Yep. So total of about 89, par- 89, roughly about 89 markets. Show some love, people. So watch it there. Don't forget to uh, like it there. Tell people how much you like their old films. Uh, like, share, subscribe to this podcast. We really do appreciate it. It keeps growing, and we are so happy to have all of you here listening to us. Uh, and join us next week. We're actually going to do finally that kind of breakdown of the summer. We started with giving you the preview, what we thought about them, and everything. And next week, we're going to wrap I, But, up. Jonathan, Jonathan, before, before we wrap up, I do believe that we have to give them some clues about what we're doing and what we've been doing. Um, oh, yes, so we need more several clues about clues. project. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Rick, would you like to start with a clue? All right. Um, ass fuzz. I get that, and I'm going to go with a van. Windowless van. I'm going to... <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Rick cannot keep it up together, though. I cannot. Um, Al coming down from the moon on the edge of a lightning bolt. A bear. (laughs) (laughs) That is... (laughs) One more. One more. All right, give us the last one. Uh... Oh, Rick, 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 is done. He can't do it. He I can do, do it. it. I can do it. I can do it. Excuse me. One second. He can't do it. All Str- right. Stranger danger. <laughs> I think... I don't think that's a good clue. I don't think you said danger. van! I don't think stranger danger is a good clue for that one. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say strip that one. But all the rest of them make complete sense. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next week on the Magic Podcast. <laughs> see you next week, everybody.